Listener discretion is always advised. <laughs> you know, there are files, all kinds of files. There are X files. There are Twitter files. There are files that I don't even know, the black files. There are the white files. There are hidden artifacts all throughout this world. And sometimes they just drop and fall right on my lap. And when they do, I like to call those files the great files. This is a Justice in the Peace exclusive, The Great Files. This is for masters, this technique. You know that this is justice. Damn it, I'm still peaceful. And I came to you with another file that fell into the gray area. I don't know if you believe in giants. I don't know if I believe in giants, but I know one damn thing. We gonna find out today if the shit exists. Let's, let's, let's start the damn show, yeah. Good motherfucking morning, you bastards, you, you, you bitches, you. Hey, listener discretion was advised at the top of the show in case you were not informed before you hit that play button i do use foul language i also have a potty mouth if you stick around long enough i promise you you shall be able to decipher the motherfucking difference you always know one thing well you should know that i'm always joined by my grandson Papa. how you doing my guy <laughs> damn you didn't even wait to lean in on me you know that this is a self-produced podcast production. And as it comes around daily for you, five days a week, and sometimes on Sundays, I continuously find brand new content and pull it out of the sky just to throw that shit in your eye. And we started back up with, my name is Justice. This is the piece. Five days a week, I promised you. Plus once or twice on Sunday. I got all kinds of content. I talk all kinds of shit. And I'm not going to stop until the oxygen deflates my motherfucking lungs. So let's get, let, let's just get into this shit. Start the show. Happy motherfucking Monday, you burnt bastards. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking to you. I know you're probably trying to figure out why I tried to, why I'm calling you bite. It's because your motherfucking ass been cooking for too goddamn long. You've been on, you've been on the, 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 the burner for too long. The back burner. Just sitting back there simmering. Ain't nobody been paying attention to you. Well, let me go ahead and stay you up and go ahead and get you seasoned for a little bit of this Grey File episode. Now, I know a lot of people, they, they always look to the history books for knowledge. I know I used to look to the history books for knowledge until they created this great thing called the motherfucking internet. And on the internet, it seems like if you think you know something, you kind of don't know shit. That's fucking impossible. Oh, contraire, mon frere. It is so damn possible in 2023 to think that you actually know me. But you don't know me. You probably don't even know yourself. And as a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure that you do not know the history of this motherfucking country because they have not told it to us the way that they want. Well, let me take that back. They have told it to us the way that they want us to understand it. Not the way that it went down. 
You wouldn't do that, would you? Why? Why would you have everybody inclusive all in on the information when in all actuality, all you really want is some wikers or you want an army or a navy or a military service? Why in the fuck would you need to educate the masses about the whole motherfucking history of this planet when they ain't gonna have nothing to do with it. They ain't gonna even reach the elevation of intelligence to even understand half the shit it is that you motherfucking tell them. Well, that's the planning before we got interconnected. And now since we are, I come to you with some shit that I found on the internet that had me a little pissed the fuck off. And and I, I don't get mad. And, and, and just because I was pissed off, it doesn't mean I was mad. It means that the shit bothered me. I couldn't believe that somebody or something or, or, or some organization would do something like this. And then to make matters worse, to make it worse, they hit it. And they've been keeping it hidden. But now I'm about to open this motherfucker up right now for you. Listen to what it is that the Smithsonian, yes. Well, well, in case you don't know what the Smithsonian is, you're going to fucking learn today about it. But if you do know what the Smithsonian is, you are going to learn some more shit that you didn't know about it. Listen to this. Oh, we've got your ass. We've got your ass. Both cheeks. I got my left hand on your right cheek and my right hand on your left cheek. And I'm about to get in that ass. We've got your ass now. Smithsonian destroys giant skeletons. What? The Smithsonian destroys giant Skeletons. This cannot be real, right? Around the turn of the 20th century, the New York Times, London Globe, and the Scientific American published articles reporting the discovery of giant human skeletons. Wait a minute now. So the New York Times, the New York Times, the Times of New York reported that there were skulls of giants. Continue. Concluding that the remains was to be sent to the Smithsonian for further study. But the fact is, this evidence was never again seen or reported. You mean it was never again reported? Seen is another thing. I could ask somebody, did they see the sun today? And the motherfuckers could be standing outside looking at the damn sun and look right back at me and say, I ain't see nothing. Oh, you son of a bitch. This is from the New York Times where they reported finding over 200 skeletons. This right here article that I'm looking at, that he pulled up on his screen, it says, Giants Skeletons Found. Cave in Mexico gives up the bones of an ancient race. Special to the New York Times, Boston, May 3rd, Charles C. Clapp, who was recently... who who has recently returned from Mexico where he has been in charge of Thomas W. Lawson's mining interest has called the attention of Professor uh, Agassiz to a remarkable discovery he made by discovery made by him. He found in Mexico a cave containing some 200 skeletons of men, each above eight feet in height. The cave was eventually 
was uh yeah was eventually the burial place of the race of giants who let me move, let me get closer to this who uh annotated this is so small mr clap arranged the bones of one of these Skeletors and found that the total length would be eight feet eleven inches. The femur reached up to his thigh, and the molars were big enough to crack a coconut. The head measured eighteen inches from the front to the back. This was something that was actually published in the newspaper here in the United States. All over eight feet in some caves in Mexico. You can pause this and read it for yourself. Now, it says the Smithsonian destroys giant skulls. Looking back at newspaper clippings dating from the late 1800s into the early 1900s, Dewhurst found a multitude of instances in which citizens from desperate areas of the country uncovered massive bones of seemingly human origin. Upon reporting these discoveries to media outlets or authorities, Dewhurst said un suspecting citizens would shortly receive a visit from members of the Smithsonian who wasted no time sequestering the bones. Sequestering means taking the bones. Allegedly bringing them to a museum research facility, but which they were never seen again. One could also find instances of giant skulls and skeletons in local papers with pictures to boot. Take, for instance, this photo from the San Antonio Press showing a giant skull next to two normal skulls for size comparison. Well, it goes on to say, anytime anyone found giant bones and reported it, Smithsonian's would turn up at your door claiming that they're going to take it to a museum, but it was never, ever seen again. The U.S. is not the only country in which these alleged giants of antiquity are said to have been what what so i'm sorry in fact there are accounts dating back several millennia with speaks of encounters with living giants or the relics hinting at their existence so if you're wondering where all these giant skeletons are gone i suggest you ask the smithsonian so the smithsonian could possibly have one of the links of our evolution and not only our evolution but of another human origin species extinction if that's what that tells me right there because if we were bigger at one time it had to be a reason for us to get smaller and now this in 2014 there was a lawsuit filed against the smithsonian museum it alleged that they have been withholding even destroying evidence that giants ever existed on this planet the Supreme Court ruled that they declassified documents back to 1900. Here's some of what they released. Reported back in 2015, a large giant was unearthed in Australia. It was said that this is the world's largest giant ever unearthed. Found near Ayers Rock, the skeleton is said to be 17 feet 4 inches tall. That's fucking impossible. Bruh, that is a big motherfucker right there. But shortly after unearthing, Professor Hans Zimmer was forced to hand it over to the government. Wait a minute, Hans Zimmer. I don't know if you guys watch a lot of movies or pay any attention to the movies that it is that you do watch, but there is a Hans Zimmer alive right now, except for he has a man at the end of that Zimmer. So it's Hans Zimmer man. This guy right here, he's won a whole bunch of awards for his compositions and all type of movie soundtracks. 
I believe that he did Inception. I may be wrong, but if you just type in Hans Zimmerman, you will see he has a fucking, I mean, a enormous amount of fucking uh, 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 soundtrack material out there. It's really weird how maybe over here in America, Hans Zimmer isn't a normal name, and that's why I'm picking up on that. But Hans Zimmerman is balling. And there has been no further reporting since. The next giant takes us to Pennsylvania. Reported in the Oil City Times in 1870 near West Hickory, Pennsylvania, the unearthing of arguably the largest giant ever found. Here in America, in Pennsylvania, in Pennsylvania, arguably one of the biggest giants. That means here in America, it could be a possibility that there were giants walking around this motherfucker. That's fucking impossible. Hey, my boss, I don't know if you know this shit, but a few episodes ago, I did this thing about this guy who actually filmed some shit on top of a mountain that looked like a fucking giant. This massive hominid stood at 18 feet tall. Shit, that's a big motherfucker right there. On October 7th, 1895, a newspaper named The World reported that one of the largest giants ever unearthed had been found. The mummified remains stood nine feet tall. Shit, there's a picture of this one. This is the thumbnail. Horned humans. That's it. That's all. Giants. Every fucking where. And this is the thing about all of this, is that since it links back to the Smithsonian, and the Smithsonian is an institution that has been funded by the government for quite a while right now. The, the the institution of the Smithsonian itself, it has a history that I cannot go over. It is going to be read to you by one of my readers, to say the least. But the Smithsonian, it, it started off very, very small, but then it was taken over after Smith, um, Smith's son or some shit like that, Smith's son, I believe that, that that's the guy's name, Smith's son, he died without having any kids, so then the government absorbed the motherfucking Smithson uh, 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 Museum and changed it into the Smithsonian. You'll hear all of that coming up right after I'm done talking. I have it all getting ready to, 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 to play out for you. Before that plays, though, I mean, anthropologists, it's... Something that I actually wanted to, uh, anthropology is something that I wanted to be after seeing Jurassic Park. It seemed so cool to be out there digging up bones and shit like that, not really have to listen to anybody, but just to try to find something that nobody else has seen for millions of fucking years. But as I get older, I now understand that there are so many hindrances to be in that field of work, especially when it comes to new things being discovered and brought to the forefront of not only human history, but of global history. Because people hate to admit that they are wrong, and people hate to give up any kind of prestige. So it's really hard to bring anything brand new of submission when it comes to history in this motherfucking country. But it's, it's strange that it's hard uh, 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 well, yeah, it's always hard. It's weird to me that that right there is hard to bring something from the past into the present, but it's not strange to other people to bring something in the present and place it in the past. Kind of like this. I kind of forget, but I actually have a question for you. 
you being an anthropologist, which anthropology is the study of human civilization. That is kind of correct. Human. So if you were to dig up a human, two humans, in a hundred years from now, both man and woman, could you tell the difference? Strictly off of bones. No. Oh, God. Oh, goodness. So if this guy right here was to dig up, you say, uh, maybe my mom, after I die, one of these woke-ass motherfuckers was to dig up my mom, they couldn't even give her a gender. No, they couldn't because they don't know how she lived and how she interpreted herself in her life at the time that she was alive. Shut the fuck up, please. But talk right now. I'm not sure why I'm being laughed at if I'm the expert in the room. Have any of you been to archaeological sites? Have any of you studied biological anthropology? I'm, I'm, just, I'm just I'm just saying I've got over 150 years of data. I'm just I'm just curious as to why I'm being laughed at when I Well, number one of all, you cannot have 150 years of data. You could have pulled out bullet points from 150 years of data, but to remember 150 years of data inside of your skull is ridiculous, and you are a fucking liar for saying that shit. I, have, I, I actually, I have, believe it or not, I have put a lot of research into this, because I, I, I'm not, I'm not comparing myself to you, I'm not comparing myself to you, I'm just telling you that I have considered all viewpoints, I kind of forget, but I actually, well, I haven't forgot, and I do consider all viewpoints and considering all viewpoints i have come to one clear plateau in my life and that is this i remember when i tried to save everyone answering phone calls sending helper responses giving money showing up being constant implementing sound advice being patient in their issues providing perspectives and showing up intentionally until I realized some people like to complain, listen, but don't hear, engage, but become distracted, cling to sadness, do the opposite of the advice given going around and around and around in circles. My intentions were to help, but my discernment showed me the truth. Even in our fullness, our own abilities and capabilities to help, people do as they want when you've shown and provided the way. Sometimes you have to fall back and realize you are not the savior. And some people just can't be helped in that moment. You provided with intentions they lack with understanding. It is not your job to save those who do not want to be saved. That's right. Do not waste your time on these punk motherfuckers. Now, with that, I, I, I got to remind you of one more thing. It is not just the fault of the Smithsonian on why it is we do not understand the complete and full history of this globe. It is... It is the fault of most of these politicians because most of these politicians, they get kickbacks for throwing stupid shit in front of our faces and trying to guide us away from the actual truth. So before 
anybody sends any emails to the Smithsonian's, uh, 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 and yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm saying it like it's a whole family. Before you send anything to the Smithsonian, could you please take into consideration that these motherfucking politicians always have been, always will be, and consider themselves above the motherfucking law and are unreliable with the fucking truth? Joey. Everyone listen to a politician with the same story every four years with that sorry ass line. But these homos will get offended because I say the word. That's why no. you're around. FEMA camps and the Amero. too stupid to understand what's in front of them. Forget about the curse words. At least the kid's not lying. So next time you listen to your congressman or your governor or even a president or somebody who's running for president and he's hitting you with that same fool that they give you every four years and you still vote for the Momo and then you get mad. Think about me saying the word. The American public know that every four years they buy the same they've been buying every four years and the same people with their Harvard articulation and how they don't curse and they're Christians and they have a family and these are the same people that shove it up your ass every year. The one thing that you'll get about me is I'll say but I will not rob you. If I need something I'll ask you like a man. Uh, you're gonna <laughs> That's the thing is that these politicians, they have much more power than they than they ever were supposed to have. And that's number one of all. And with power comes great responsibility. And these people have not been held to the motherfucking fire. Their feet ain't been held to the motherfucking fire. They hold these positions that determine not only how it is that we live our lives, where it is that we live our lives, and if our lives are even of worth living. So with that being said, fuck all you politicians until you release the motherfucking information on what the fuck is really going on on this earth and what the fuck has going on on this earth. You can eat a dick and die, dude. That's what the fuck you can do. Now we're going to listen to a couple of facts about the Smithsonian. And now as promised, is that little section where I have my pal, Siri, read you a small little portion. Now, this shit's kind of long, so uh, you're about to learn some shit. Thank you, Wikipedia. And, or simply the Smithsonian, is a group of museums, education, and research centers, the largest such complex in the world, created by the U.S. government for the increase and diffusion of knowledge. Two, three, four, founded on August 10th, 1846. It operates as a trust instrumentality and is not formally a part of any of the three branches of the federal government. Now, a few things need to be noted. The, 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 the program is going to start reading off numbers that I was not able to take out uh, until afterwards. And it's a long fucking story. So you're going to be reading. You're going to hear the thing go three, four, all the way up, I think, to 42. Ignore those as much as you can. But just like this, this, this uh, uh, program said, this, this readback said, this thing doesn't even operate under the three branches of the government. But it also let's let me go back a little bit. Let me go back. I, I have that 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 special ability here. Forty six. It operates as a trust instrumentality and is not formally a part of any of the three branches of the federal government. Five. The institution is named after its founding donor. British scientist James Smithson. Six, it was originally organized as the United States National Museum, but that name ceased to exist administratively in 1967. Seven. 
Now, in 1967, it was a strange time in this country. I don't know about you folks. I wasn't alive. But it was written in history books about the 60s and the 70s. Why don't you go ahead and think about what was going on in the 60s and the 70s that might have influenced the Smithsonian to change its way of doing business. Call the nation's Atticate. For its eclectic holdings of 154 million items, six, the institution's 19 museums. It has 154 million items. I mean, is it a possibility that we can see all of those items in in increments like right now? 21 libraries, nine research centers, and zoo include historical and architectural landmarks, mostly located in the District of Columbia. Nine, four additional facilities are located in Maryland, New York, and Virginia. See that? A lot of this shit is covered by the District of Columbia. More than 200 institutions and museums in 45 states. Note 1, Puerto Rico and Panama are Smithsonian affiliates. 10, 11 institution publications include Smithsonian and Air and Space magazines. Almost all of the institution's 30 million annual visitors, 12, are admitted without charge. 4, the exception being Cooper Hewitt, Smithsonian Design Museum, which charges an admissions fee. 13. Its annual budget is around $1.25 billion, with two-thirds coming from annual federal appropriations. 14. Other funding comes from the institution's endowment, private and corporate contributions, membership dues, and earned retail, concession, and licensing revenue. 6. As of 2020. So it makes money, but yet and still, it is a vacuum for money when it comes to getting funding from the government. You heard him say that it appropriates money from your tax dollar. The institution's endowment had a total value of about $5.4 billion. 15. Founded it, the castle, in April 1865. The castle built 1,847. On the National Mall, the institution's earliest building remains its headquarters. In many ways, The origin of the Smithsonian Institution can be traced to a group of Washington citizens who, being impressed with the importance of forming an association for promoting useful knowledge, met on June 28, 1816, to establish the Columbian Institute for the Promotion of Arts and Sciences. Officers were elected in October 1816, and the organization was granted a charter by Congress on April 20, 1818. This charter expired in 1838. Benjamin Latrobe, who was architect for the U.S. Capitol after the War of 1812, and William Thornton, the architect who designed the Octagon House and Tudor Place, would serve as officers. Other prominent members, who numbered from 30 to 70 during the Institute's existence, included John Quincy Adams, Andrew Jackson, Henry Clay, Judge William Cranch, and James Hoban. You hear that? Presidents had something to do with the foundation of this institution being put together. And there is so many fun motherfucking facts that are included in this that I hope that you are still paying attention. Honorary members included James Madison, James Monroe, John Adams, Thomas Jefferson, and the Marquis de Lafayette. Operating expenses were covered from the $5 yearly dues collected from each member. The Institute proposed a number of undertakings. Now, did you hear what it said? It started off as $5 in the 1800s. And here we are 200 years later, and it is asking for billions of dollars. But yet and still, do you know anything truthful 
about the history of this land. I mean, since the 1800s, the Smithsonian has been traveling the world, picking up artifacts, storing them, hiding them, keeping them out of the fucking general public's eye. And since you do not know exactly where it is that you come from, your life is now in a situation to where it is you do not know where you might end up at. These included the study of plant life and the creation of a botanical garden on the Capitol Mall, an examination of the country's mineral production, improvement in the management and care of livestock, and the writing of a topographical and statistical history of the United States. Reports were to be published periodically to share this knowledge with the greater public. But due to a lack of funds, this initially did not occur. So they're saying that since they didn't get the money that they needed to get to, 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 to keep the shit going the way that it wanted to go, they stopped, they stopped issuing information to the public. The Institute first met in Blodgett's Hotel, later in the Treasury Department and City Hall, before being assigned a permanent home in 1824 in the Capitol Building. Beginning in 1825, they have a home in the Capitol building. The Smithsonian has a home in the Capitol building of the United States of America. Does that make you scratch your head just a little bit? Weekly sittings were arranged during sessions of Congress for the reading of scientific and literary productions. But this was continued for only a short time, as the number attending declined rapidly. 85 communications by 26 people were made to Congress during the entire life of the society with more than a half relating to astronomy or mathematics. Among all the... So, wait, 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 wait. So, 85 submissions over 200 years with 1 million artifacts. You do the math. Are they, are they really letting us know what the fuck has happened or what the fuck can happen or what the fuck is happening on this marvel? Activities planned by the Institute... Only a few were actually implemented. Two were the establishment of a botanical garden and a museum that was designed to have a national and permanent status. The former occupied space where the present botanic garden sits. The museum contains specimens of zoology, botany, archaeology, fossils, etc., some of which were passed on to the Smithsonian Institution after its formation. The Institute's charter expired in 1838, but its spirit lived on in the National Institution, founded in 1840. With the mission to promote science. What you science? You know, called the Smithsonian Institution Smithsonian and Smithsonian in 1838. But its spirit lived on in the National Institution, founded in 1840. With the mission to promote science and the useful arts, and to establish a national museum of natural history, this organization continued to press Congress to establish a museum that would be structured in terms that were very similar to those finally incorporated into the founding of the Smithsonian Institution. Its work helped to develop an underlying philosophy that pushed for the pursuit and development of scientific knowledge that would benefit the nation and edify its citizens at the same time. 16. The British scientist James... Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Push for scientific knowledge that would edify its citizens. Not educate. Maybe it read it wrong. I don't know. But it read it and I did not. It said edify. So edit means to what? What does that it mean? You use your motherfucking brain. Smithson, 1765 to 1829, left most of his wealth to his nephew Henry James Hungerford. When Hungerford died childless in 1835-17, the estate passed to the United States of America. And they absorbed all of the knowledge that these two individuals had. To found at Washington, under the name of the Smithsonian Institution, 
an establishment for the increase and diffusion of knowledge among men, in accordance with Smithson's will. 18 Congress officially accepted the legacy bequeathed to the nation and pledged the faith of the United States to the Charitable Trust on July 1, 1836. 19. The American diplomat Richard Rush was dispatched to England by President Andrew Jackson to collect the bequest. Rush returned in August, 1838, with 105 sacks containing 104,960 gold sovereigns. This is approximately $500,000 at the time, which is equivalent to $13 million in 2021. God damn. So, in order to get this shit even really started, to keep it going, there was a fucking surge of money that passed when these two guys died. The Smithson guy and then the guy, uh, Berenger, I, I can't remember his damn name. But once that guy died, he handed it off to the other guy. And then when that guy died, he didn't have any kids. So then the government absorbed it. So once they absorbed it, uh, they went through his will from, from how I remember it. They went through his will and, and, and there was an understanding that he bequeathed. He bequeathed the only queef I know, you know what, continue. Or equivalent to 10 million pounds in 2021. However, when considering the GDP at the time, it may be more comparable to $220 million in the year 2007. 2021, once the money was in hand, eight years of congressional haggling ensued over how to interpret Smithson's rather vague mandate for the increase and diffusion of knowledge. 19, 21, unfortunately, the money was invested by the U.S. Treasury in bonds issued by the state of Arkansas which soon defaulted after heated debate Massachusetts representative and former president John Quincy Adams persuaded Congress to restore the lost funds with interest for 22 and despite designs on the money for other purposes convinced his colleagues to preserve it for an institution of science and learning 23 finally on August 10th 1846 president James K Polk signed the legislation that established the Smithsonian Institution as a trust instrumentality of the United States to be administered by a board of regents and a secretary of the Smithsonian. 1924, development it. Though the Smithsonian's first secretary, Joseph Henry, wanted the institution to be a center for scientific research. 25, it also became the depository for various Washington and U.S. government collections. 26, the United States exploring expedition by the U.S. Navy circumnavigated the globe between 1838 and 1842. Now, it said it became a depository for government collections. So I wonder, do they include those government collections inside of the one point something million artifacts? I mean, because if it's a government collection, does it still be, can it still be deemed or classified as an artifact? I mean, there is so many, like, it's vague language in this. 27. The voyage amassed thousands of animal specimens and herbarium of 50,000 plant specimens and diverse shells and minerals, tropical birds, jars of seawater, and ethnographic artifacts from the South Pacific Ocean. 27. These specimens and artifacts became part of the Smithsonian collections. 28. As did those collected by several military and civilian surveys of the American West, including the Mexican Boundary Survey and Pacific Railroad Surveys. Now you see... They do admit that they was down there in Mexico at a time, just like the two previous stories said before. They can't deny that they were in these locations when these stories were actually published. Which assembled many Native American artifacts and natural history specimens. 29. In 1846, the regents developed a plan for weather observation. In 1847, 
money was appropriated for meteorological research. 30. The institution became a magnet for young scientists from 1857 to 1866, who formed a group called the Megatherium Club. 31. The Smithsonian played a critical role as the U.S. partner institution in early bilateral scientific exchanges with the the, the, the Therlirium Club, is that what he said? Academy of Sciences of Cuba. 32 museums and buildings at it. The Smithsonian Institution area around the National Mall. Construction began on the Smithsonian Institution building, the castle in 1849. Designed by architect James Renwick Jr., its interiors were completed by general contractor Gilbert Cameron. The building opened in 1855. 33. The Smithsonian's first expansion came with the construction of the Arts and Industries Building in 1881. Congress had promised to build a new structure for the museum if the 1,876 Philadelphia Centennial Exposition generated enough income. It did, and the building was designed by architects Adolf Kloss and Paul Schulze, based on original plans developed by Major General Montgomery C. Meggs of the United States Army Corps of Engineers. It opened in 1881. 34. A school field trip to the Smithsonian Institution, C-1900 The National Zoological Park opened in 1889 to accommodate the Smithsonian's Department of Living Animals. 35. The park was designed by landscape architect Frederick Law Olmsted. 35. The National Museum of Natural History opened in June 1911 to similarly accommodate the Smithsonian's United States National Museum, which had previously been housed in the castle, and then the Arts and Industries Building. 36. This structure was designed by the D.C. architectural firm of Hornblower and Marshall. 37. When Detroit philanthropist Charles Lang Freer donated his private collection to the Smithsonian and funds to build a museum to hold it, which was named the Freer Gallery, it was among the Smithsonian's first major donations from a private individual. 38. The gallery opened in 1923. 39. More than 40 years would pass before the next museum, the Museum of History and Technology, renamed the National Museum of American History in 1980, opened in 1964. It was designed by the world-renowned firm of McKim, Mead, and White. 40. The Anacostia Community Museum, an experimental storefront museum, created at the initiative of Smithsonian Secretary S. Dylan Ripley, opened in the Anacostia neighborhood of Washington, D.C., in 1967. 41-42-43, that same year, the Smithsonian signed an agreement to take over the Cooper Union Museum for the Arts of Decoration, now the Cooper Hewitt, Smithsonian Design Museum. 44. The National Portrait Gallery and the Smithsonian American Art Museum opened in the old Patent Office building built in 1867 on October 7, 1968. 45. The reuse of an older building continued with the opening of the Renwick Gallery in 1972 and the 1874 Renwick Designed Art Gallery originally built by local philanthropist William Wilson Cochran to house the Cochrane Gallery of Art. 46. The first new museum building to open since the National Museum of History and Technology was the Hirschhorn Museum and Sculpture Garden, which opened in 1974. 47. The National Air and Space Museum, the Smithsonian's largest in terms of floor space, opened in June 1976. 48. Eleven years later, the National Museum of African Art, and the Arthur M. Sackler Gallery opened in a new, joint, underground museum between the Freer Gallery and the Smithsonian Castle. 49-50-51, reuse of another old building came in 1993, with the opening of the National Postal Museum and the 1904 former city post office building, a few city blocks from the mall. 52 in 2004, the Smithsonian opened the National Museum of the American Indian in a new building near the United States Capitol. 53, 12 years later, almost to the day, in 2016, 
the latest museum opened, the National Museum of African American History and Culture, in a new building near the Washington Monument. 54. Two more museums have been established and are being planned for eventual construction on the mall. The National Museum of the American Latino and the Smithsonian American Women's History Museum. Capital Campaign said it, in 2011, the Smithsonian undertook its first-ever capital fundraising campaign. 55. The $1.5 billion effort raised $1 billion at the three-year mark. Smithsonian officials made the campaign public in October 2014 in an effort to raise the remaining $500 million. More than 60,000 individuals and organizations donated money to the campaign by the time it went public. 56. This included 192 gifts of at least $1 million. 56. Wow. Members of the boards of 192 gifts of $1 million. So that right there is $192 million. And they only needed, I think it was what, uh, uh, five something. They didn't need that much money, but they got it. Directors of various Smithsonian museums donated $372 million. 56. The Smithsonian said that funds raised would go toward completion of the National Museum of African American History and Culture Building and renovations of the National Air and Space Museum, National Museum of American History, and the Renwick Gallery. 56. A smaller amount of funds would go to educational initiatives and digitization of collections. 56. As of September 2017, the Smithsonian claimed to have raised $1.79 billion, with three months left in the formal campaign calendar. 57. Separately from the major capital campaign, the Smithsonian has begun fundraising through Kickstarter. 58. An example is a campaign to fund the preservation and maintenance of the ruby slippers worn by Judy Garland for her role as Dorothy Gale in the Come 1939 on. film The Wizard of Oz. 59. Museums Edit. Main article. List of Smithsonian museums, 19 museums, and galleries, as well as the National Zoological Park, comprise the Smithsonian Museums. 60. 11 are on the National Mall, the park that runs between the Lincoln Memorial and the United States Capitol. Other museums are located elsewhere in Washington, D.C., with two more in New York City and one in Chantilly, Virginia. Something went wrong. Please try again. All right. Well, something did go wrong all along that. If you did not hear that whole thing, I know why. It's boring. It's it's. It doesn't seem useful. It doesn't seem informational. But it is a timeline of how this institution has passed, has, excuse me, has passed hands over time and how it started as a $5 venture from, I believe, four different individuals until right now, a whole collection database of all the information it is that we need to truthfully understand the meaning or the wisdom that has been handed down through and for life. These motherfuckers got you so goddamn concerned about getting to work and paying your bills on time that we have forgotten the fundamentals of existence. Now, in the beginning of this, this, this uh, program reading the, the, the article off of Wikipedia, it says that, that, that people couldn't, couldn't, they couldn't keep people showing up. Yeah, you have a life. You have bills. And some people just believe that other people might just be for the greater good, especially when you invoke God or when you invoke some sort of right to uh, 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 the pursuit of happiness and all that other shit. People believe that shit. Well, right now is the time that I do not. 
I know for a fact that after listening to this and after rereading it twice, that they are holding on to information that I know and I, I have no question about could change exactly how it is that we treat each other, change exactly how it is that we approach life. But I don't know shit. You know, my grandson tells you all the time. <laughs> and he's not a motherfucking lie. Papa. My guy, what's going on? Go say. As you wish. Now, this is the part of the show where I'd like you to go ahead and take two minutes out, man. Go ahead, like, rate, subscribe, share the show. Sharon is Karen. I mean, not that white bitch, Karen. Sharon is caring. Okay, I have to use, gotta get, gotta use pronunciation with you motherfucking niggas. Like, rate, subscribe, share the show. It does wonders, you wouldn't believe. Five-star ratings, they also help boost the podcast to where it is that it needs to be seen by all eyes. I cannot tell you how many times that I'm going to say this, but every single one of these podcasts are recorded in one sitting. No, no re-records, no edits, no go-backs, all genuine reflections of how it is that I feel when I see what the fuck it is that I see. Now, you already know that every single one of these podcasts are dedicated to the life, love, legacy, and memory of my mother, Paige. I love you, baby. I'm still searching for you every single day until my last breath is left. And last but not least, please do whatever it is that you need to do to get through. Just don't hurt nobody in the process. Let us not become a redistribution service of the same hurt and pain that it is that got us here, man. My name is Justice, and this is my piece.